Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin. What? We're talking about an ACC championship first. Let's go. What a great day from the Pink Seeds podcast presented by Frankfurt Avenue Liquor and Wine. Matt McGavick, Jacob Lane, Vince Coco. We did it, guys. We get to actually celebrate postseason football. We didn't do anything, but we get to celebrate. We made it to this point. We get to celebrate postseason. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a one-game season, and I see Kentucky on. What is there in a game after Kentucky? Hold on. One-game season. Come on. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, it's – I. there was a chance in the preseason that they might reach the ACC if things broke their way, but, like, I didn't think they had, like, a large chance of making it because just because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to reach the conference title game. And this is going to be Louisville's – First ever appearance in a conference title game. Now, granted, conference title games didn't really start becoming a thing until like the late 90s, early 2000s, but still. Welcome into the Matt McGavick show. A little monologue to start the show, man. Look, look, we are in rare form these days, man. Let's go. Vince, how you doing, buddy? New microphone, new Vince. Is that how we're feeling yeah. tonight? New microphone, new me. Took us like five minutes to get it set up, even though we pre-tested. I pre-tested everything. That's usually how it goes around here, though. That's but, right, man. Uh, Football yeah, players sorry. don't know how to work technology. That's not part of the game, man. You just show up and you yeah. go and you hit somebody. You don't know how to plug something in. Somebody else does that for you. That's yes, right, man. yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Figuring out how to operate technology. It's nice to be able to like talk about the ACC championship and not have to actually worry about anything now. So, That's right. That's you know, right. Like beforehand, like Matt was joking. I mean, I would. I was very much that guy. Like, I don't want to think ahead. I don't want to look at, at like two games ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, now I'm comfortable talking about Florida State and the ACC championship. It's a beautiful time to be alive right now as a Louisville Cardinal football fan. It feels like. Uh, we are back, you know, as they sing in uh, uh, in the hangover. We are back. That's how it feels right now. It's Louisville, as we mentioned. They win a big game against Miami, but big things ahead this week. It's hate week. We will get into all football things tonight on the show, and we are excited to do so. I'm from the Pink Seats podcast on the State of Louisville podcast network powered by Kern's Corner. Check them out. They've got the best chili in the city, and it is chili season. Do yourself a favor, head over to the Highlands, check out Kern's Corner, get your get yourself some chili and one of those great patty melts. Enjoy a, a Bud Light, maybe a, little, a Miller Light. Uh, and while you're doing that, subscribe to the show from the Pink Seeds Podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts from. And of course, follow the Louisville Report, Matt McGavick, all the great journalism done there, ton of things going on around the city. But as we mentioned, we got a lot to get into tonight as Louisville comes off of a massive victory, one that was really in question all the way down to the very end as they walk away uh, against a team of a Miami team that was kind of what we expected. Very athletic, a lot of playmakers, 
Uh, maybe not to the extent of what we saw out of some of the receivers in the passing game and maybe even some of the running backs, but uh, a team that was full of athletes that was capable of making plays and taking advantage of you. And that's exactly what they did for a good chunk of that game. We'll get into the details with a new Vince's game notes, Jacob sack update coming as well. Pretty quiet week, but we'll get into all of that uh, and then dive into the preview of Kentucky. That's what you are here for to find out. Is this the year? Is this the year, the first time since 2017, that Louisville takes care of business against Kentucky, the little brother? I don't care what you say. I don't care what the records say. Louisville owns the rivalry, at least in my lifetime. I don't care about anything else, right? Louisville owns the record, in my mind, and we are ready to come back and establish dominance. You can find us in our mentions. I don't care what you have to say at this point. It's hate week. Louisville football is back in there. And I'm telling you, look, listening to Jeff Perron, they get it. We're going to get into all of that tonight on the show course ton of great things to get into uh but first a new segment here on the show i'm really excited about this happy hour we're gonna kick off the show as we do each week talking about the great things around college football but this time uh we are we're thankful to have a sponsor on it uh shout out to mr and mrs bourbon company the bourbon of russ smith you can find that on your shelves across the city from the liquor store a variety of different bourbons that uh, you can find out there and some big things coming so make sure you stay tuned and check out their website and all the great news they are fantastic people great bourbon we're going to get into all the great stuff around college football including something this week guys that i discovered for the first time were you familiar with the 12th man foundation have you ever heard of that prior to this weekend 12th man kickoff foundation sorry i need to make sure i include that in the details isn't that what bought jimbo fisher out i don't know that's a that would be quite the the term that i was not expecting here um but i don't know actually you know i'm not really too up to date on my texas a&m football um but that is relevant news jimbo fisher uh fired what last couple of weeks and this weekend they played what about how about the sec in the middle of the year just playing freaking i mean i guess florida state played north alabama but just playing these random ass fcs schools it's It's sec cupcake week manager it's a tradition unlike any other yeah, exactly right. Uh, and and we saw that across the uh, entire SEC. But this week, I was supposed to the all-walk-on kickoff team. This is quite possibly the best thing ever. And if you're not familiar with this, a former coach from Texas A&M established the 12th man kickoff team back in the 80s. And it was a walk-on group who was literally solicited from the school newspaper to come and give their all for Texas A&M, right? Imagine this in modern day. If Lottie Stockwell and the marketing team collabs with Jeff Brom and they say, we got to go out, we got to find 11 guys that we can put on the football field to be our 12th men. They're going to field an actual kickoff in a game. Can you imagine that, right? I'm signing up. We're getting all of our buddies. We're getting out there. And we're giving it our all, right? That's exactly what this is. They solicited walk-ons to join the team to play on kickoff at least, I guess, like once a year, right? So to honor Jackie Sherrill, the coach who came up with this back in the 80s, this weekend who was in the house at Texas A&M versus Abilene Christian, they fielded an 11-man walk-on kickoff team, and they forced a fumble. Let's go. How about that for the walk-ons, Vincent Lococo, man? You would have been on this team, man. <laughs> no, no. Oh, we did you hit your mute button? Is that what's happening on your microphone right now? Did you hit your mute button? We lost Vince's audio. The new microphone. Life is happening. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I expect that to happen multiple times tonight. Yeah, That's yeah, good. it probably it probably will. What do you think of the all all walk on kickoff team? I, I mean, I'm I was very surprised that it didn't turn into a like I don't know. I thought it was going for six, to be honest with you. And when I first saw it, I was like, "This is going to end poorly." 
and they'll they'll never do this. I thought this was the first year that they ever did it too. I had no clue this is like a thing. I gotta wait for the four part Netflix documentary on the Texas A&M cult to come out to really get up to date on my Texas A&M cultism. You know, but, I, I mean, it's pretty sick. <laughs> I I'm with you. I had no idea this ever happened. I had no clue that this is, no. even existed until I saw it on Twitter this I, weekend. I'll tell you, like, I'll go. tell you whose idea it was not. Bobby Petrino. <laughs> it was 100 not his idea <laughs> yeah he you know he hated every single second of that but just a fantastic moment for the walk-ons i mean we can't we are the the home of the walk-ons right of course yeah. we have the, the home of everyone the, the greatest one of the greatest walk-ons in Louisville football history as a part of the hosting team of this show of course we are here for the walk-ons this is a moment in college football this season that might go down as one of the best moments so a toast to the football guys uh the the 12th man the 11 member walk-on kickoff team brigade forcing the fumble i'm freaking here for it Second thing, another football guy we got to toast this weekend. This is my probably outside of the the thick six that we'll talk about at Louisville uh, throughout the game. This might be my favorite kind of low-key moment of the weekend. Shout out to the big fellas trying to show off their athleticism. I feel like, Vince, who was the most athletic defensive lineman you played with? Probably D'Angelo or John Bernard. Depends on what you classify as a defensive lineman. Yeah, so. you play with a lot of a lot of uh, really good defensive linemen during your time at Louisville, but I don't think any of them were capable of uh, just exactly what Jalen Carter of the Philadelphia Eagles did this weekend. And if you're not familiar with Jalen Carter, right, first round draft pick, played at Georgia, one of the thousands of defensive linemen that have come out of that program, 6'3", 314, but three hundred fourteen pounds, but the dude moves like a running back, right? So last night in the Eagles Chiefs game on Monday Night Football. There is a play right before the half where uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to just do a standard um, spiking of the football. And instead of just letting this football hit the ground and the clock stopping, my man is trying to catch the football. Okay. So think about this, right? He's in a full stance, right? Both hands probably in the dirt, maybe one hand in the dirt. I'm not exactly sure what his stance was at the moment, but he goes from a stance to a full out extended body dive for this football and almost catches it. Uh, so, I mean, so it's a lot on. like a workout that we do, or not a workout, but a defensive lineman drill that they do where they start on their knees and they explode uh, outwards and upwards with their hands into the pad. And whenever I saw him do that, I was like, oh, this is exactly like what that drill looks like. No, no surprise, Jalen Carter, one of the most explosive, like get off football players, almost intercepted that ball. And Patrick Mahomes' face was hilarious after. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he go underneath the legs of the center to try yeah. and make this play? Yeah, between, <laughs> between the legs trying to catch it, that's going to be like – so at a college practice, you know, the D-line and O-line, whenever we're doing special teams, aren't usually – they might be overdoing something, but a lot of times that, you know, the D-line coach or somebody is usually, you know, coaching a special teams position. So I would not be surprised if, like, they're working – every D-line across the country is going to be working this at some point during the practice. I would love to have Louisville be the home of like where the first happens, right? In college football, where the first guy Dude, figures it just, out. If he just puts his hands together, he catches that. Jermaine Lole, buddy. Let's go. You got two games, three games, man. The time is now, right? <laughs> Ramon Purier, let's get down there and grab an interception. That'll go in the record books for Louisville football. Cheers to the football guys, man. I'm telling you, always doing incredible things. Um, football and geography, though, right? That's not two things you necessarily kind of link together. Typically, football guys are football guys, right? They're more, uh, what do they say, more brawn than brain. 
brain, right? Like that's just kind of how they, how they are. Uh, you know, they're the modern day gladiators, if you will. Right. So um, I find it to be hysterical that uh, we discovered this week that primetime, you know, one of the greatest, most electric football players and coaches in history um, reveals to the world just so openly that he doesn't know where Mount Rushmore is. Um, before this, would you all have known where Mount Rushmore was if somebody yes. asked you? You would have known See, what state, what city, all yeah, that? South, I wouldn't say the city, but I know okay. it's in South Dakota. I mean, like, it's it's one thing to not know that it's, like, in South Dakota because it is kind of out there. But he straight up thought that it was in L.A. <laughs> yeah. That's the part that gets me. It, it's one thing to not know where it is, but to think it's in L.A. is something completely different. Yeah, like, he's de- he's definitely been to L.A. hundreds of times. And to never be, like, never just notice that that that's not there I, that, like i mean i i probably would have guessed one of the dakotas if i'm being honest see i was gonna I say I not south <laughs> i love this i was gonna say that vince would guess the dakotas because he was unsure of which dakota it was in particular like that's such just a group them together <laughs> all right so i have a quick little pop quiz for you all uh just to test your knowledge of mount rushmore oh, so here we go shows. we'll start with i'll oh, just no. it'll just be a two uh, just a quick just a quick quiz okay we don't want to spend too much time on this the audience didn't come here for mount rushmore facts but i'm just curious right we're football guys we need to i need to test and make sure that you're not as bad as coach prime um so let me ask you this how long and how many carvers did it take to build mount rushmore do you have any idea of I can give you some some multiple choice uh, if we need it, but uh, maybe more than five, five people and or years. Which one? Which one? Here we go. I more mean, than five, more than five. <laughs> do, do we think it was twenty years and two hundred carvers, fourteen years and four hundred carvers, uh, five years and a thousand carvers, or zero? Uh, Mount Rushmore is a natural formation. <laughs> Mount Rushmore is a natural formation. That's well, what if we want to get the bank. If we want to get super technical, technically Mount Rushmore is not finished. It, yeah. Oh, interesting. Wow. That's a fun fact. But the, give me the, the, no, the, the designer of Mount Rushmore died like while it was being like carved out. And after his death, they stopped. Oh, that's great. That's the second part of this. Great job, Matt. You got that. But how many years did it take, do you think? Was it was it 20? Was it 14? Was it five? What do you just give me a guess? Come on. I think it was like 14 years, I think. Okay. Uh, Vince, what do you think? 20, 14, five, none, natural formation? <laughs> Vince is like, well, I don't remember that formation from college. Natural <laughs> formation? What is that? <laughs> you have to show me that one. Okay. I'm just going to give you the answer because we're taking too long. It was 14 years. Congrats to Matt McGavick. Look at this. Big J journalism over here. Okay. Uh, let me see. Uh, let's see. When did the carving start on Matt? Actually, you know what? Here we go. This is much easier. Who is out? Who is on Mount Rushmore? I feel like that's the that's the question to to really ask you all. Who is on George Mount Washington, Rushmore? Thomas Jefferson, Abe Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt? Yeah. And were you yeah. going to guess that, or did you just what copy Matt off? said? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Vince, one hundred percent confirming that football guys. Not I was going to say. Guys. I don't know. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm here for this. Okay. Walter Payton. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, Walter Payton, Tom Brady. 
just the good, just the greats of all time. Quickly moving on to the NFL again, a toast to the football guys. How about the Louisville Cardinals showing out this weekend? The, the defensive line, particularly Yaya Diaby, man, continues to keep things moving along. And shout out to Vince here for this nugget of, of statistical data right here. This is Vince's stats. How about this? Four tackles, two sacks on Sunday. How about that? A yeah, second Vince's stats sacks. come from the university's graphics that they tweet out. So okay. don't think Vince is over here. Googling PFF shit. <laughs> hey, look, man, a stat is a stat no matter where you find it. Second in sacks and tied second for TFLs amongst rookies, man. That's what's up. Go vote for him. He was asking for votes for something. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but go vote. It was for Rookie of the Week, I'm pretty Let's sure. Let's go. Rookie of the Week. Let's do it. Go vote for that. Uh, and while you're online, tell a UK fan that they suck real quick. Uh, and then finally, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Um, a big win this weekend, uh, but ultimately maybe a big loss with Mark Andrews going down. They are the number one seed in the AFC right now. I think they are the favorite in the AFC uh, to win the, the the conference. What do we think? Now, I, I did hear, I think it was either earlier today or yesterday, that if the Ravens did make a deep playoff run, then Mark Andrews could come back, but they'd have to go deep into the playoffs. I also saw uh, OJ Howard was getting a workout this week, so... I don't know. Yeah, he's known Mark Andrews, but I mean, I'm sure he could be yeah, in some. Yeah, he's not a good fantasy tight end. He he definitely is not. <laughs> but uh, you know, he can make the roster. <laughs> they got a guy on their roster named Isaiah Likely, uh, who has been talked about for like three years. So um, I've had him on my fantasy team at one point between that period, and he's never really sure done he'll likely be the tight end this year. That's right. Look at that. Boom, 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 boom. How about Vincent Lococo coming with the heat today? <laughs> But uh, no, when you got Gus Busson the way that he is, man, two touchdowns again, that's five touchdowns in two weeks, man. Like the running game is booming. Uh, Lamar, uh, I don't think he had a turnover this weekend. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but I think he was two for two touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, and uh, obviously now the division is wide open with Deshaun Watson being out for the year and a guy named Jake Browning uh, quarterbacking the Bengals. I Sometimes quarterbacks sneak up on me in the NFL, and I'm like, who in the hell is Jake Browning? I don't remember him from college. He played for Washington, or is that Jake Locker? I, I think I was. I think it was Washington. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about thinking. Davis Mills? Whenever he popped on the scene, yeah, yeah, right. Actually, like, you, you know what? You know what the Bengals should do? Trade for Teddy do? because the Lions haven't played him but once, and he got him like two snaps. Wasn't the trade deadline and- like three weeks ago? Oh fuck yeah! That's yeah, right. that might have that might hurt them from doing that. But I, I, you know, I. I don't know, man. Go sign Malik Cunningham. Is he still a free agent? He's on a practice squad. He's on the practice squad, so I'm pretty sure you can sign him. There you go. Shout out to all of the football guys this week. Again, happy hour presented by Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon Company. They've got a great store locator on their website. You can check that out and help you find that. Let's quickly jump into what you came here for, and that is the Miami game. This is one, fellas, that, like I said before, like really went down to the wire, really – I felt con- Louisville's gone down against like six teams now at this point, and I've felt confident in all of them. In fact, in our group chat, I think in every game you can go back and you can see me say either I have faith or I believe. I have not once this year, like last year, where I said, "No, this is like this is over." <laughs> not once. Every chance this season that I have, I, I have believed. Virginia, I believed. Uh, in this game, I believed. Right in Indi- in the Indiana game when it got close, I really believed they were going to hold on. The Pittsburgh game, even till the end, I really felt like. One of those 10 go routes in a row was going to hit, right? Like, this is the one. Uh, but this game, I I started to really get to that point where I'm like, man, I, with the way the defense is playing, with the way that they're inconsistent, some of the the just lack of execution, like, I just don't know. And then, boom, bam, they get going. And 
there's Louisville, right? Doing what Louisville does, running the football, getting Jack Plummer going late in the fourth quarter. Like, mustache Jack comes alive in the fourth quarter, man. Jack wanted them boots. He was not leaving without those boots. Like, that's what goes with the mustache is the boots. He knew he needed them. And we saw, like, maybe every game should be for boots if Jack Plummer's going to play like that, man. Like, bronze them, gold them up. Like, you know, turn him into gold member out here and let's just get Jack some gold boots for the trophy for whatever game is next. But Louisville comes through. They win this game 38 to 31. Uh, what was the spread? Can can somebody check? What was it? Was it seven, six and a half? What was it for it, this game? I cannot remember. I think it, it, it opened at seven, six and a half by some books. And I think the line stayed pretty much at that. Yeah, I'm still not over the Louisville-Texas spread being eight and the game ending at eight uh, the other night. Still frustrated by that. Uh, so I've lost track of what the football spread was. But in this game, you get this kind of culmination of, of Louisville football throughout the year that we've seen in their games, right, where they've been inconsistent for like a quarter. They've been inconsistent for a couple drives. And in this game, it started really quickly, and it just felt like it dragged on. We had to it, review every fucking play. Well, I mean, the game, yeah, the game was stopping every five minutes. Uh, I mean, it, it really was like this just very – one of my buddies texted me, and like, this is going to be in a four-and-a-half-hour a four and a half hour game. It's but it was entertaining. I mean, it was super entertaining. The game was uh, a lot of fun. There was a lot of scoring. If you're into offense, this was the game for you. But Louisville's defense really exposed. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll get into the details here. But uh, they give up a lot of, of running yards to Mark Fletcher Jr. Um, and and uh, Tyler Van Dyke looks like a guy who's confident, right? They talked about how they just wanted him to smile more. And for the first Three quarters, my guy was was smiling through it all. Like he couldn't believe that this was his life in this moment. Um, and then it wasn't. And uh things kind of fell apart really Miami style. So you don't come here to listen to the details from me. Let's guy let's dive into the football guy and what uh the greatest walk on in Louisville football history, in my opinion, has to say about it. Vince's game notes. <laughs> It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's Game Notes with Vincent Lococo. I love the caveat of, in my opinion, that needs to be thrown <laughs> in there. <laughs> There's no statistical data to back that up. That is just purely my feelings, man. That's just how I feel. And if Empirical I don't say so, evidence. he's going to come over here, he's going to drive, and he's going to come and knock on my door and punch me in the face. So let's just... <laughs> anyway, let's go call, on, I'll just call Liam. Liam will do it for me. He'll beat you up. Mm. But for me... Obviously, we've been talking about Jack all year, so we'll just start off with Jack. And, uh, you know, it's 300-plus yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. I, In my opinion, he ran the offense, you know, exactly kind of what I was asking for last week. It's just, it's just be consistent and be the guy. You don't need to play hero ball. Make the plays you're supposed to make. Um, you know, it was the only really bad, really bad decision he made was that interception. And in a lot of instances, like, it's correctable. He, you know, throw the ball a lot more on the outside shoulder, you know, the right the right shoulder of the receiver, throw it earlier, you know, and you probably get that guy. And you, I mean, he was staring him down, but that's, you know, that's the, it's a timing route. That's the guy, that is his one read. So uh, it was a hell of a play by the safety, but there's not much you can say. You can criticize Jack all you want. Like, yes, he's been inconsistent. It's been a hell of a roller coaster ride, all this stuff, but at the end of the day, he's the quarterback of the 10 and 1 football team. And I mean, he's winning football games. And I mean, like Jacob said, not every year you're not going to have Lamar Jackson or, you know, shoot even Malik Cunningham with the way he ran the football. But you, sometimes you need, you know, your 
what Kyle Bolins and who else? Who else do you like to throw into that mix? Yeah, I, we're just naming white quarterbacks at this point, man. It's just all we're doing, right? I mean, Justin Burke had him from it. No, but in all seriousness, I I will just say right the the counter argument to that point, in which I I I happen to agree with you, and that's been my thing is you know, um, yes, Louisville's been in a lot of bad spots because of Jack Plummer. I think every fan, every person who's watched this team would tell you that that's been the case at some point because of interceptions, fumbles bad plays, bad throws, whatever the case is, but you, uh, and, and they've won games despite him in a lot of ways. But at the end of the day, when you go back and you look at particularly the Virginia game and the Miami game, you don't win those games without Jack Plummer doing what he does late. Right. You, you, you have to acknowledge that. And that's why I think the talk of moving to another quarterback has just been asinine all season long. It's just an, it's, it's, it's just a, a moot point because they're winning football games. And yes, they should be 11 and 0. Like we all agree they should be 11 and 0, but they're not. And they are, they are sitting on the cusp of one of the greatest seasons in program history. And the guy has sucked in a lot of ways, but he's also done what he needed to do when it matters most. And that has helped them come out victorious. Now what nine times, 10 times, whatever the number is. So, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. What, what really, uh, has shown for me, like, it's a good thing that Jeff is our head coach and not a lot of us, because it would have been that first or second game, you know, myself included, where we probably would have been like, all right, let's, let's see what one of these other guys can do here. Cause we have a really good football team around us, but you know, kudos to our head coach for hanging on and building that confidence in his quarterback that like, Hey, this is your team. You know, you can go out here and make some mistakes as long as you're, you know, playing ball and doing your thing and running the offense and keeping us moving forward. Just keeping us moving forward. So kudos to Jack so far on how he's done. Still got two more games, obviously, to uh, to do that. But uh, he did a good job in the Miami game. Unlocking the tight ends. That's been the key that, you know, the three of us have been harping on with this offense the whole year. And uh, with having three different tight ends catching the ball on Saturday and one offensive tackle is huge for us. I mean, to be able to spread the ball around to the tight ends gives Jack so much more relief. Just, you know, we can run downfield routes now. And Jack can feel confident with, you know, dumping the ball in the flats to the tight end or hitting Nate or somebody on a crossing route or something underneath. Uh, there's just so many different options now that Jack feels comfortable with throwing the ball. In my personal opinion, this is probably something that Brian, Jeff have been trying to hammer in Jack's head the whole year that the tight ends there, the tight ends there, the tight ends there, probably the same way that Pete Thomas used to do with Malik Cunningham and the running backs, like the running backs there, the running backs there, the running backs there. You just got to throw it to them. It's hard to, you know, it's easy to do that in practice, but when bullets start flying and you're out there in the middle of the game, it's hard to train your brain to, you know, be comfortable throwing that pass. So kudos to Jack and everybody else for getting that, uh, that together. And, you know, Nate had the stiff arm that nasty literally, Nate. yeah, nasty Nate drove nasty a dude down Nate. into, into the turf for the stiff arm and caught the, the drive saving fourth fourth uh fourth down catch it's like out of nowhere where where has this been all year guys like it's it, it's been the it's the secret sauce it's not the secret sauce it's just the thing that Jeff's been missing and you could see it all yeah. year it, it it would have unlocked the full potential of the offense just because we like I've said several times in the show like we saw the impact that a Payne Durham had at Purdue exactly. Louisville just doesn't have a tied in even close to that caliber it's it's like having a big mac without the mac sauce or like going to canes and not getting cane sauce with that 
you know, like it's like the something that you have to have with the, with it to make it work. And uh, you know, just having the tight end this game was awesome. And Jacob, I, I'll, I'll give you the floor to talk about your thick six because I'm sure this has been something that's been like boiling in your stomach to discuss since we scored. Great moment. It's a great moment. One of the best of the season. I mean, shout shout out to to Trevante Sylvester. What's really funny, right? The the group text that we have. There's a lot of just super nerdy football details. And like two months ago, I texted the group like. P.S. Trevante Sylvester is in there at tight end and is an extra blocker. He's also, I think, played special teams this year, if I'm not mistaken. And Matt, you, I remember you were like, yeah, I've seen the, you know, they're switching jersey numbers and putting an 87 out there. It's actually 97, I think, that he wore this weekend. But he's yep. played in this extra blocking role this season. But shout out to Trevante Sylvester, right? He he throws a little high school Harry in there, just a, a quick little block, goes to the back of the end zone. Jack lost it up, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? What is this? Who is out there? And all of a sudden, this big man emerges in full glory. At first, thought, full transparency, thought it was Jamari Johnson. I'm like, let's go. Let's go. What a <laughs> moment. What what a great time to put Jamari Johnson out there. Instead, it's Trevante Sylvester. I absolutely love it. It's the first ever <laughs> catch by an offensive lineman, I believe is what Jody said on the radio broadcast, ever by an offensive lineman in Louisville football history for a touchdown. Oh, for a touchdown, yes. And catch, right? The last offensive lineman who scored a touchdown. Do we know who that was? Uh, I backed in against, do we know the opponent? Extra point here. No, no, Indiana State. Let's go. There we go. That's right. There we go. That's the last six six for Louisville football. But no, great moment. Love that. And I I love the boldness of the play call. I mean, that there was some real head scratchers, which I think you might get into. uh, And I don't want to get into them. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was the next talking point for me was just how questionable his play calling was with the option plays of the speed option play that should be tossed out of our playbook into the Ohio river and never discussed again, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. ever. I, I love the same side pitch play that Jack faked whenever he threw that interception. Like, I love that play to go out and get on the edge like I talked about last week, but the speed option is, like, I'm done with that. Outside zone was clearly not working for us. We needed to continue to run the counter game. And uh, throwing the ball to a one-handed Jamari Thrash in critical moments in that fourth quarter, in my opinion, probably isn't your best, like, best bet, best idea, especially when we have so many weapons out there on the field. Uh, what else, Jacob? What else did you and Matt? What What did you all the, think? The, the only reason the Evan Conley Wildcat keep work is because Mario Cristobal is an idiot. Like we all, <laughs> we all knew that was going to happen. I mean, yeah, it's Evan Conley only goes in there to do one thing, and it's not to throw the ball. The, the, how Mario Cristobal did not see this coming at all when everyone watching at home knew what was about to happen. I, I don't get well this is the same guy who choked away that yeah forgot game, to, so. they, were, they were calling him mario neal the ball like you know like we've already they've already got nicknames for the guy but no i i just i thought that there were instances where uh and again we can we can criticize like right in the nba we always see like and even or i really should say the nfl they'll hire an offensive coach fire the offensive coach and then fire you know hire a defensive coach and they swing the pendulum back and forth that's what you're getting here with louisville right you go from satterfield just ran the ball all the time to now it's like jeff just throws the ball all the time and that was my frustration particularly around the goal line when you have mo turner you have isaac gariendo like give yeah. them the ball hell i'm fine with you even doing a tush push and getting jack into the end zone like i, I mean i know you're further out you know 
you got to work your way there. But they just kept going to these passing plays that just didn't make sense. Um, and, and how about can, can we get a fade to Chris Bell one time? Just one time. Let me yeah. get a, a let me just get a fade to Chris Bell and let him go up and get the football. Because those three, those, those three in the red zone that you were talking about, Jacob, are like are the the worst. Those are the ones that like drive. And we did we missed the kick off the uh, field goal, right? Yeah, so we got, yeah. We got no, we got no points off that. You'd expect at least one of those to be a run play, you know, just one to either Isaac Jaws or Maurice, like you said, or shoot Evan with for that matter. I mean, and first, really, in, in all honesty, first down that that pass to Jamari Thrush yeah. should have been a walk in, like no yeah. touch, yeah. touchdown. Yes. But at the same yes. time, though, you know, you, you still know. have two other downs to play with there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we all saw the Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl. Exactly. We know yes. what you should do in that situation. Yeah, <laughs> right. run the damn football. Run right. the damn all day. Yeah, but I will say my point in, in the play calling was it, it counterbalanced, and later on in the game, like, there's no conservative Jeff, right? Like, later in the game, we we see the, the thick six, right? We see the Evan Conley play call. Like, these are in big moments of the football game to bring the score, you know, right before halftime to a one-point game. Um, and then, you know, um, later in the second half, you have the run with Evan Conley where Louisville gets the lead. Um, I, it's just, it, it's the stuff with Jeff Brom this year. That's just continuing to, to just blow my mind. I was not and like a big anti Jeff Brom before he came here, but I did have con- concerns about the record and some of the, the issues that lingered at Purdue. And it's nice to see this evolution of a football coach who even in game learns from his mistakes quickly and is able to kind of work it out and make adjustments and help this team bounce back and, Honestly, he outcoached Cristobal. Like, that's a nice yeah. thing to see from our head coach. Like, it just it's it's a one it's one of the greatest things that you can ask for when talking about football in college is that you have a coach who can coach circles around other coaches. It, it felt good going into halftime knowing that our staff was going to make better halftime adjustments than the oh yeah the other staff. Like that was a sure and we've done it all year with everybody we've played. It's about like going into half. All right, cool. Doesn't really matter what the score is. Our guys are going to do something about it and, you know, change the tide in our favor. Yeah, it's a far cry from how, you know, Louisville fans felt under Satterfield, where, like, you look at the score, like, they could be up at halftime, and you're like, oh, well, second half coming <laughs> we'll up. See. We'll see. Yeah, of we'll it's see. That's a great example of that. Defensive struggles. Obviously, this is a game where everybody feels like the defense is, quote, unquote, getting exposed. Uh, but in my opinion, it was more guys just misaligning mainly the uh, the linebackers and uh, safeties as to where they were at in their gaps and just their alignment. It seemed like our defensive line was getting, uh, I don't know, pinned and double teamed. And guys were just a click behind. I, I think of one where Storm Duck, you know, could have clearly had a TFL. If all, if all he would have done was just stuck his nose in the hole just a little, a little bit quicker. You know, instead he's a hair late and it turns into an arm tackle, you know, at the legs and the guys going. And that was another thing, too, is it seemed like the guys just were not wrapping up this game for whatever reason. It was a lot of shoulder tackling, a lot of let me see how hard I can hit the guy and, you know, not bring him down. And I, you know what? I honestly, I get that coming from a confidence, confident defense. Like these dudes are on top of the freaking world right now uh, with how they've been playing. So for them to get punched in the mouth, uh, with 100 plus rushing yards and still respond that the way the way that they did 
this game I thought was awesome. Uh, the the Restrepo big play at the end. I know I'm skipping way ahead, but like at this is these this is the big moment for me. Like whenever he whenever he caught that play, everybody, including myself, is sitting there, you know, saying, Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like here we go. It's gonna be a shootout. <laughs> yeah. You know, except for the defense. You know, I'm sure this is a, something where they're sitting there saying we have four stops until we can, you know, solidify ourselves in the ACC championship. Four stops. That's all it is. You you can you can feel and you can see, you know, all the hard work and everything that you did in, in June, July, August to get to this moment right here. Every suicide, everything that you did is all coming down to these four plays. And that's what the coach is talking about in the offseason whenever they say, you know, these are the reps that are going to that are going to matter, be it physicality wise or mentally to where you have the mental toughness to go out there and make a make a stop and, uh, and do what they did out there and again in a lot of ways this falls on Cristobal <laughs> because <laughs> what idiot is going to waste his last play throwing a fade on Marcus Raleigh I mean that it, it, it that didn't make sense to me and uh, to be able to see them go out there again you saw it earlier in the IU uh, IU game where they, they made a stop and you know we just at the time we we're trying to figure out what kind of Louisville team we're watching this year so uh it's nice to know that we have a defense when it comes down to these situations they can and they will you know make a stop and yeah i'm glad they got punched in the mouth this week and not this past week instead of this coming up though though is it not a little bit concerning that now that's two games in a row where the defense has kind of gotten gashed at times like they were, of course, you're not going to shut out and like just pummel every team, but they looked success, susceptible at times against Virginia. They looked susceptible at times against Miami. Now, both in both games, they both performed excellent in the fourth quarter. But I mean, it it stopped the themselves play. at that point to begin with. The big like the, these big plays, the the Restrepo play at the end is like prime example of you know, don't put yourself in that situation to begin with. And if they can eliminate – see, for whatever reason, I agree with you, Matt, the past two games, the quarterback quarterback, and, you know, this one, the run game, seemed like they were not, I mean, not able to have their will the whole game, but were, for the most part, able to have their will. Uh, but we'll see coming this week. I mean, uh, what's his name? It's been Devin Leary's been struggling this entire year or so. As long as our defensive line can continue their pass rush, I mean that was another thing. We we only had one sack on the game, right, Jacob? So, and it was a big one. <laughs> yes, a massive one. That I still, I'm pretty sure that Tyler Van Dyke is feeling that today. Still probably yeah. icing icing and, that down. Uh, that bothered me too with the defense. I would love for them to keep contain and just. There were a lot of things that I could nitpick and harp on, but I, I mean, the defense has kept us in so many games this year that I feel like they almost get a pass in a lot of ways. <laughs> that might just be my opinion, but I'm confident in them stepping up in big-time moments, which is huge. This whole game, this upcoming game, is that from start to finish is a big-time moment. And so. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. I've said this earlier in the season, and I think we need to really like start to kind of like respect this. But Mason Riker has legitimate NFL f- film at this point. Like we need to put a little bit more respect on him being an NFL draft process prospect either this year, or next year. I mean, his numbers next are year. still, yeah, hopefully next, next year, year, right? Year. Let's come next back year. and be the, you know, assuming that Ashton goes pro, come back, be the the lead pass rusher. But 
to only play in what he's played in eight, nine games this season, seven, eight games, not even. A yeah, full I think schedule. he missed the first three or so because of injury. Yeah, exactly. And he has, um, and he has a sack in every game. I think he's played but two overall. So, I mean, I think that you you see the real potential, and this is a guy kind of playing that Jonathan Grenard role on this defense this year, right? He he doesn't start. He plays behind Stephen Heron. Um, and split snaps with these guys and is still putting up these numbers and, and becoming a, a really key integral part of that defense. Like the walk-on talk is no longer. Like this is a real top ACC pass rusher with NFL potential. For me, it's his get-off. Like his get-off is, it's very quick. It's a very, you know, quick and powerful first step. Uh, you've seen him do that ghost pass rush move a couple times this year. It's a lot of improvement from Riger, and we'll see next year, you know, finish off these last two games and see how, you know, he can propel himself into next year and have a really, really strong season as the guy. Yeah, uh, and that leads right into Jacob's sack update. Just the one sack this week, Mason Riger gets him up to uh, five sacks on the season. So we have a uh, – uh, the race is pretty much over. I think we can go ahead and, and likely crown Ashton, but, hey – Look out! Never say never, right? We've seen. I mean, Elvis did have six sacks against Kentucky, so yeah, and maybe this is the Mason game, right? That would be wild. Yeah, Mason comes out and goes for six sacks, right? Hey, hey, yeah. I I mean, look, they got a good offensive line. They're 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 some big boys, but uh, I mean, hey, Mason, Mason has. I'm not going to doubt Mason Rager. I'm never going to doubt Mason Rager on anything. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, So the SEC. God, I'm going. I don't know what got into me, but I'm just going to war with SEC fans this week. Yeah, you want to talk about it a little bit? Okay, yeah. Well, that and I guess I struck a nerve with Missouri fans like an hour ago. Oh my god! Let's play a game to see if we can give Matt something to say on Twitter to to find another. I'm sure they hate the fact that I. I'm sure they hate the fact that I call him great fat, great value Scott Satterfield. When all, in all reality, Scott Satterfield should be great value Eli. Eli (laughs) 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 My 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 is Michael Scott's in how the turntables like very interesting man. Uh, But uh, good for you, Matt. I hope you get some other fans. Matt, I stand in solidarity with you. Screw Missouri. That's Thank right, you. man. Thank there you, you go. Um, uh, but to, just to kind of put a bow on this conversation, right? So this game obviously leads Louisville now to the ACC championship, which uh, unfortunately this this game has now a kind of gray cloud over it. Like it's this world of college football where games are not significant anymore if they're not the game. Um, I, obviously, I don't want to diminish by any means the what it means to go to the ACC championship, especially in Jeff Brom's first year. And they're already talking about him, you know, media being a potential ACC coach of the year. I think we need to talk about Jeff Brom as the national coach of the year at this point for what he's done with Louisville. Uh, But I I bring all that up to say that this ACC game now, it's like, you know, Jordan Travis goes down really early in the game against North Alabama. And it's this really horrific injury, gruesome injury that on the field, you immediately know, like, this is, this is it for him. He's done his, you know, his college career is over. Um, And Florida state is undefeated in the top four of the college football playoff. And now all of a sudden the conversation becomes, well, they don't have a quarterback. So are they going to really be in the playoff? Are we really going to risk having them go and play Michigan or, uh, you know, a Georgia and get beat 50 to nothing. Like, is that what we want on our hands? And the the conversation, just like that, I tried telling you all the ACC was only there by matter of fact of Florida state's record. Like it was Florida state and their record was what it was. Now they, they can say, throw the ACC out. We don't have to put them in there anymore because 
they they have this blemish um and so it makes this game very you know more now it seems like it's just a, a birth for who's going to get the orange bowl trip really florida, in reality state, florida state will have to shut a lot of people up and that'll be by beating us and whoever else is left on their schedule just like ohio state had to do whenever they won the first college football playoffs or second which right with their ones third yeah. string quarterback right and plus yeah, the third, ohio third state quarterback. plus the ohio state michigan winner is going to knock them the other out anyway so i think if even if fsu does run the table like in the table just two games but if they do win their next two i think they get in regardless i disagree with you right because like say you go into this game of the michigan ohio state game and say let's just say ohio state beats michigan okay and they they win by three points they went on a game-winning field goal or say they win by seven right mm-hmm. and then that would put them in the big 10 championship right it, assuming yep. they win that game right they're going to win because they're going to probably play iowa in the championship yeah, iowa I it, yeah i don't know who it is i was just guessing but okay iowa, yeah, it's right? iowa yeah. so they're going to win that game with ease i would almost make the argument that i think that the committee would take a one loss michigan over an undefeated florida state without jordan travis like i i uh, no 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 i mean michigan has one good win but I everyone else has been terrible that they've played and florida state beat uh what my they beat LSU? miami they beat lsu they've beaten didn't they did they play north carolina um i don't know if they did i'm not gonna lie I don't think so. not gonna act, but still they have good quality wins i'm just in saying what in what world do we slide into that if slide. okay so let's talk about that real quick that's yeah, a great yeah. that's a great question what i mean it can't, slide it? no it there can is happen. a hypothetical world with i mean it can't no there happen. is there is i mean I they need say, a lot of chaos did you hear dan mullen i think is who it was that was on the the game or on the uh the the halftime show with espn and made the comment that he believed louisville could sneak in and joey galloway just snoffed like just scoffed at him like that he could remotely have that thought uh, that Louisville would sneak in. And so I think that's kind of the the general belief. So if you're talking about what has to happen, right? So if you're listening to the show, likely at Wednesday, Thursday, college football playoff rankings are out. These just dropped within the last hour of us recording the show. Louisville is 10th, um, still in the same spot. And behind Missouri, who now has two losses, Louisville is now seen as less than the two loss team. Like that's the reality of the situation. That's just where we are. I thought the rankings were going to reflect that this week, but in order for Louisville to jump up, right, you need Missouri to lose. Obviously you need Alabama to probably lose to Auburn in the iron bowl this weekend. Well, I, I think if, if Louisville does win out, they they'll just jump Missouri anyways, because Missouri's only got one True. more game. Okay. So I'll give you that, right? We'll just go in the scenario that Louisville wins out. They're going to probably jump them. But again, you still need, <laughs> you need Alabama to lose. You need you probably need Texas to lose. We absolutely you, need Texas to lose. Right. Like, you that's two the are biggest... deathly afraid of Texas. Uh, by the last time we talked about Texas, Texas is I mean, good, you guys man. are ready to call this show from the from from Texas. I don't even know. I can't think of anything better than that on the fly. Uh, but then you know, again, you got you beat Florida State in this scenario, so you already in some form or fashion leapfrog Florida State, and then you need chaos at the top. You need Georgia to lose in the SEC championship. You need Ohio State maybe to drop the game. No, you too. need Georgia to win out. You need Alabama to lose to yeah, get that's a good point. Good out point. Of the picture. Yes, good point. That's a great point. You probably want Georgia to kind of stay where they are. Great point. Yeah, this this is ultimately what you need. You need to hope Florida State wins out and then beat them so that's viewed as like a really quality win. I think the Ohio State and Michigan game has to end in an absolute bloodbath to so to remove any doubt of you know including like the loser of that game in any sort of scenario. Texas has to lose. Alabama has to lose either to Auburn in the Iron Bowl or in the SEC Championship. And then Washington has to beat Oregon in the Pac-12 title game to completely get Oregon out of the picture. 
if that in that case you would get Georgia, the Ohio State Michigan winner, Washington, and then Louisville. That's pretty much the only way Louisville can get in at this point. Oh, and I feel like everyone in college football wants that to not happen. Like wants that to one hundred percent not happen. Not that I think that everybody like is out to get Louisville, but like I think everybody wants to avoid another TCU getting in and getting just oh, destroyed. Avoid another Cincinnati. Yeah, there you go. That's a better one. But yeah, yeah. either way, or Notre Dame for that matter, right? Notre Dame so gets in and just gets their ass kicked every time. The like, four just... seed always gets killed, anyways. Because like, it's four... set up to be. It's the like... stupidest playoff in football. Like it is the dumbest shit in in any in not even just in football in any sport. It is built to where now everything else becomes insignificant. Like all these other games don't matter because nobody has a chance, and the four teams are typically. Two of the same four every single year. It's some former fashion of Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia. Like that's it. And then you get a random Notre Dame spring. Well, it's been in. Michigan the past two whenever yeah, it was, and it was Clemson. Stallions, whatever his name is, hopped and on. Notre hopped Dame's on not made it yet. To the college football playoff? No. What? Man, they ain't done nothing since. Are they you serious? I'm dead serious. It Notre Dame's not made I, it. I could have sworn they've made it. Like you're three probably times. thinking of like because it's been Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, I think you're Clemson. Wrong. No, you're wrong. Clemson. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Like there's a, it's been like a handful of the same teams, and there's been a smattering of other teams in there, but like 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 a Michigan State or an LSU or a TCU. But like it's largely like been the same five teams and Oregon like once when they played Ohio State in the first college football playoff. I I don't I feel like if Washington I, gets in over us, I'm riding. If who? Did you say Washington? Yeah. Washington's Washington's I would, good, man. I would really enjoy playing uh, Washington. I think that'd be a lot of fun. To I play. would too. We beat them sixty-five to seven. Show them how to play actual football. <laughs> You're talking about getting Matt's got dimensions going crazy, man. I need them to find at Vincent oh, Lacoco on Twitter because I'm sure Washington your football mentions. tunes into our <laughs> Hey, man, you never know on this wild world of internet. Yeah, yeah. But that really, you know, again, there's a lot of things we're going to get to on the other side um, after we take a quick break here. But um, I, I do think that this is a very much a monumental moment in Louisville football history to win and go to the ACC championship. And and look, I, I'm. I asked Eric McElhinney at the beginning of this year, what do you do with a one-loss Louisville team? Like, I, I literally, that was a question we asked because that means they didn't lose to, or they didn't play Clemson, they didn't play North Carolina, they wouldn't play Florida State until you get to the college football or the ACC championship. Like, what do you do with them? And we're finding out in real time what that looks like. But it is just, in order to get here, the ups and downs that they've gone through and how they have been able to in every situation where it looks like they can't finish a game or they're not going to make the play that's necessary. They find a way. They just find a way. Like they are just 83 plus football guys like and and then, you know, the full support staff and the team from top to bottom, like the mentality, the culture has changed in one year. And like I said, I wasn't like out here screaming like, hey, you can't ever hire Jeff Braun. But I did have my concerns. And I'll I'll eat all the crow in the world. Serve me up a big fat helping of all the, of that crow. Like as long as I can put some danos on it. Speaking of speaking of eating crow, I, I need to eat some crow because Notre Dame's made it twice. <laughs> oh, I completely I forgot. That's because they get their ass kicked can every I just time. Tell you, though, the, if we had a better like production staff around here that wasn't just me, like in my off time editing the show, 
I would pull the archives of how many times I've been right and how many times you have been wrong on this show. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm like nine and two. Like you're wrong. If anybody wants to do that, I'll Venmo you twenty bucks. <laughs> we will all. Not we all we got for you twenty though. bucks. Yeah, uh, but no, that's a that's a thank you. I'm I want to go back and just cut that sound and keep that. Yeah, Louisville wins and to go to the ACC championship. Big moment for the for the cards. And Who's going. I want to. I wish. Matt, I'm going. Matt's going. Matt's uh Matt's gotta go do some work. See, I have no interest in work. Like if I'm going, I'm just gonna get get drunk and enjoy Charlotte, which is where I went on my bachelor trip, oddly enough. A fun Last fact. time I was there for a football Louisville football game. Belt Bowl. Um, yeah, Belt Bowl with my friend Jordan. Oh, we don't talk about his family. <laughs> yeah. We rough. saw the worst. Oh my god. Me and Jordan, we talk about this every time. We're the, every time we mention Charlotte because Miranda Lambert is the worst performer ever. She she did like the outdoor <laughs> concert there, and dude, she did nothing but walk back and forth, back and forth. And we're like, this is terrible. She has zero stage like stage performing skills. But you know, that's my two cents on Charlotte. Love Everybody that. can go visit Reggie. There you go. That's right, right Reggie Bonifant. Been scoping out spots for us all year. I love it, man. He knew all along. Knew all along. You know who also knew all along is the Bring Brom Home guy. Like, shout out to him, man. Yeah, like, yeah. man, what a what a year for him. What like you talk about name your shot, call your shot, and hit it. Shout out to the Bring Brom Home guy. Like, that's just that's a I'd like to guy. shake his hand. I'd like to shake his hand, but I almost enjoy not knowing who he is more. We should we can align it to where he meets you at a corner and you just stick your hand out where you never can see his face uh, or her face. For all I know, it could be we, it very well could be. Uh, I want it to be one of those she. like uh, inconspicuous, like I'm meeting to get notes to go uh, like, I don't know, murder somebody or something. He's standing in the corner of the room and gives me like a, a three, three hat tips. It's like, ah. That's how I know that's the bringing bomb home guy. There you go, man. <laughs> I love that. All right, real quick, we'll uh, we'll get to a break, and on the other side, we're gonna come back and preview Kentucky because, man, I'm telling you what, I I mm, I'm I'm pissed off, man. I'm ready to go out there and win some football. What we preview? There's nothing to preview. Tired of losing. Tired of losing to Kentucky. Time to turn the tables. Uh, and uh, you can get on all the action uh, tonight, tomorrow. Any day of the week, get on the action in sports betting now that it is officially live in the state of Kentucky. Sports betting sites are offering new betters tons of awesome bonuses to get started if you haven't already. And we've made it super easy. Put all of our favorite promos and how we got started on each of these betting platforms uh, into one list for you. Check all of that out uh, at bit.ly slash state of Louisville so you can maximize your first bet. Check that out again, bit.ly slash state of Louisville for all of our top offers. Uh, offers are only available for new customers who are 18 plus, 21 plus select sports books and physically present in the state of Kentucky. Please gamble responsibly. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From the Pink Seats podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Frankfurt Avenue Liquor and Wine. You can find them at 2115 Frankfurt Avenue, right next to the Manhattan Project. Full bar service and a full liquor store. Stop in there today and tell them from the Pink Seats podcast sent you. As always, I am currently sipping on some Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. Mr. and Mrs., as you might know, is the official brand of Louisville legend Russ Smith. But what you might not know is that Mr. and Mrs. is becoming a national and global brand, shaking things up in the bourbon industry. Like basketball, bourbon has long been a passion for Russ, dating back to his college days. He studied and learned under some of the more renowned master distillers in the area. Mr. and Mrs. is more than a passion project. It's the culmination of a decade of painstaking work. 
Mr. and Mrs. is for everyone, from a more traditional 90 proof to a cash strength that's smooth. Be among the first to try Mr. and Mrs., the official bourbon of the state of Louisville and from the Pink Seeds podcast. On shelves anywhere you find your liquors or online at mrandmrsbourbon.com. From the Pink Seats Podcast, subscribe anywhere you get your shows from State of Louisville Podcast Network, powered by Kearns Corner. The show here from the Pink Seats Podcast is brought to you by the fine folks over at Frankfurt Avenue Liquor and Wine. You can find them right next to the Manhattan Project. Again, full-service bar, full-service liquor store. Go in there, get yourself some uh, some of the Russ bourbon, man. Get you some Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon Company. How about that? Combining both worlds here. But what I can tell you is the noon game for Louisville, Kentucky, probably a good thing for alcohol consumption. This is a very contentious <laughs> weekend. Louisville fans are going to come in on edge, ready to rock and roll. They're, they've got a team that is knocking on the doorstep of some big-time moments, and they are the last final pillar, right? Each week, that graphic is shared. I think it's by Barstool Louisville with the Grim Reaper going door-to-door. It is now Kentucky's time. And Louisville football has been waiting for this moment. I hope that each one of those players who played in the games from 2018 to 2022, I know that there's nobody left from 2018, or at least I don't think there is, but any of those years where Louisville was absolutely dominated. And while I know you do not need a recap of that, I'm unfortunately going to give you one because it has been a very, very, very unfortunate couple of years. How about out you start in 17? Start in 17 to make me feel good. 2017, last <laughs> time Louisville uh, was victorious, 44 to 17. A lot of fun that game. I think a trash can got thrown by a Kentucky player, right? Yep. That was that, that was game. game. Epic yeah. game. That was the fight in the corner with the safety. A lot of fun. Uh, but after that, not so much. Louisville's been outscored since 2018 in four games. They did not play in 2020. Outscored 179 to 57. That is real numbers. That is not made up. That's not football guy numbers. That just is like throwing stuff. That's real. And uh, in that, we've seen some pretty nasty beatdowns, including the 517 rushing yards from Kentucky in 2019. It's not been pretty. It's been really bad. And it's allowed Kentucky fans to get chesty, to get aggressive, to now. Kentucky fans before used to always say, well, yeah, we, we used to beat your ass. And we own the record. And it's like, shut up, dude. That was 15 years ago. Now they have the last four years, to for really the last five years, to just really rub it in. And 2016 makes it worse. Like that makes it a lot worse because that really was like the beginning that kind of kicked off the snowball effect. But now there's a coach who cares about this game. There's a coach who's not going to gripe about L's down. Who's not going to come in with his tail tucked. Who's going to be not afraid of the moment, not afraid to play balls to the wall. Jeff Brom called this game, the most important game left of the, of the, of the season, regular season. I think is what he said. He knew what he was doing with his words. Not the right, not the full season, just what's left. No, he, he said one season. Game. Well, it's a one-game season, Matt. So, of course, it's the most important game left, Jeff. I'm right there with you, buddy. Let's Everything go. else is just bonus ball. That's right, man. And how about Jeff getting extensions with 10 wins, man? The dude's contract is now through 2074. Like, I'm pretty he said, sure he's going to die. He, he, said, he said, all I have to do is win football games, and you're going to pay me more to stay here? Yeah, how about Don't that? Bet. <laughs> yeah, bet. That's, that sounds great, right? If only just working better and doing better at your job got you a job extension like or, and more money. Like, imagine that reality. Um, but no, it's it's um, a time where we feel as Louisville fans like the moment is now. We've got to get back or this is going to slip out of hand and, and um, become a rivalry where Louisville just has no business ever, right? And that's what it's felt like. But this year, it's a chance to be different. This is 
Louisville is the better football team, not only on paper, but by the by the eye test and what we've seen all year. And miss me with the Kentucky's played four top ten teams. Kentucky's played God and his uh, ten friends out there at the same time. <laughs> uh, you know they've got Barry Sanders and Jerry Rice and and Tim Brown, and they're you know they're bringing back all these Hall of Fame. No, like, look, I get it. You play in the SEC, but like, shut up. We hear it every year. Shut up about the SEC. Like, I get it, right? You played Alabama and you played Georgia, right? And you're six and five, and it's you been a rough go for out you. Of us, like the rest of us, we've seen with Alabama and Georgia of recent. You just right. get the shit beat out of us like everyone else. Welcome to the club, right? But don't play the schedule and bitch about it the whole way. Like nobody, like the background on my computer, I've said this multiple times, nobody cares, work harder. And so, so what now Kentucky shows up to play a fourth top 10 team this year. doesn't matter. doesn't mean that they're better than Louisville because they played more, more scary opponents. That's not how this works. This weekend, Louisville is finally built and prepared to play Kentucky. In my opinion, they no longer a team that shies away from contact in the trenches, which is where they've been dominated. Uh, but I do think it's what makes this game really interesting because Kentucky's philosophy hasn't changed. Uh, they just have not been a great football team this year. And it comes as a shock, right? Like when you talk about Kentucky at the beginning of the year, they were talking about we're we're ready. Now's the time. This is our best team we've ever had. We brought Liam Cohen back as the offensive coordinator, and look what he did for the Rams. Um, and we, uh, you know, we brought in all these transfers, and we got Devin Leary as our quarterback. He was so good at NC State. Uh, and here we are at the end of the season, and Kentucky is six and five, and the majority of their wins came before. Uh, Labor Day, or not before Labor Day, but before the uh, before Thanksgiving, or uh, not Thanksgiving. Goodness gracious, can I just name the right <laughs> holiday before Halloween? Like there we go, there we go. That's the they're, they're probably State. eligible for the MAC championship. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't want to make light and act like Louisville. Uh, like I get it. The last couple of years have been really shitty. Louisville has just pooped the bed time and time again, uh, but. This year is a completely different story, and this game is a completely different story. And when you talk about the storylines and really what to expect, for me, when you look at this, it's again, it's a, that conversation of Kentucky's not changed philosophy wise. They are going to come in ready to smash mouth play Louisville. They're going to come in ready to instigate. They're going to come in ready to try to get under Louisville's skin. Look, I mean, we're going to talk about their defensive line and the star power that they have with um, with Deion Walker. And look, this kid is special. Like, he is special. He is one of those um, unicorns when it comes to just the freak of nature. But my man is – he's trying to, to poke the bear. He's trying this week. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit – I mean, it seems so forced, too. It was it like – It's uh, very uncomfortable. It was like he was reading off his, like, card at the – he's like, all right, I had this written for your practice. Practice it in the mirror. <laughs> he rehearsed it a little bit in the mirror. Sound it's good? like he's being Sound held good? hostage and had like the title cards behind him. Yeah, I think that I mean, we'll... we get it, dude. It's a big game. You want to talk your shit? I mean, talk your shit on the field. You've, you've, they've had the, they've had the rights the past couple years, you know. So, we we will see. I I I, I we will see. I, I personally think they're imploding from within, and it showed a lot last week on social media following. The South yeah, Carolina those clause. tweets after the South Carolina game. Whew. Yes, that's rough. Having parents, players like Ray Davis Sr. We've been there. Out. Huh? 
Well, so yeah, we've been I, there. We, I know we, we've been there. Yeah, we've been there. Like that's how you know the locker room's imploding. Trust me. Yeah. Been- well, we we know too many parents from social media from Louisville football, like <laughs> the last several years, and most yeah. of it is good, right? Like we've developed some great yeah. relationships, right, with with Greg Fitzpatrick and uh, with Yasir and his father's uh, Xavier and and a lot of others. But we've also seen some some pretty off the wall, like unhinged comments from parents on Twitter. Yes, Scott's but <laughs> whenever it's coming from the players themselves, that's when you know stuff is like really wait you know, he said something himself on twitter hold you on didn't I see thought... ray davis tweeted it is what it is thought i was the bell cow yeah well, he's... okay you didn't so... see dang you didn't see dang key tweet out hashtag free six following four receptions and 51 yards against south carolina i did not see this no this is all news to me oh yeah no that all happened uh, so... oh, all, all that happened and was deleted very promptly yeah, yeah, I would imagine that uh, their Rocco, whoever that is, I don't know who their SID is, was very much all over off getting that offline. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think all of this is really interesting uh, when you talk about Kentucky. But when you talk about, again, this matchup and what's on the field, right, uh, away from the theatrics of it, you talk about a team that's going to come in from Kentucky that's going to look to play smash mouth football. And they, you're very right, Vince. They could be imploding. But what could heal this game is turning back the clock to the beginning of the season when they went up against Florida uh, and Ray Davis, who is, by all accounts, an absolutely incredible running back, went up against Florida, who is, at the time, they were ranked, and there were some comments about what Florida was. They've actually turned out to be a pretty okay team. They're not great, but they're an, they're an okay team. But he, he goes for 26 carries, 280 yards, and three touchdowns. That's been Louisville the last couple of years. That could be Louisville this weekend if they don't come prepared to play. Like, we saw Mark Fletcher. We saw Harry uh, Henry Parrish. We saw these guys this past weekend from Miami that you're like, who? Like, and, and I'm not saying they weren't talented, but they're not the kind of guys that have put up numbers like, like Ray Davis has this season. Part of that is that he literally is like the only back that gets the ball there. Their, their numbers are really skewed, but he's super talented. And when you look at them up front, like their offensive line, you, you're talking five five guys that are over six foot three, the tallest being six six, and playing at 325, 311, 307, 311, and three. Like these are big boys in the trenches that can run block. That's what they do. Um, and and yeah, they've struggled, man. They really have struggled the last couple of weeks. As I mentioned, they've only won one game out of their last, what, uh, last six games or last five games. It's been a real struggle for them in the back half of the of the SEC, but they have a guy like Deion Walker on defense who will, if if the, the boys for Louisville don't come prepared to play, he will smack them in the mouth and he will walk out of there with three sacks. I, this, this isn't a team that's not, that this isn't like a team that's going to lay down, I don't think. Um, but oh, I do. You think Kentucky's not? I don't I, know. I think exact opposite. I think this is a team that if you get up, you know, 14 points on them, fingers are going to start getting pointed very quickly. I think they're going to get very undisciplined. I think they're going to start to play me ball. I think we're going to see a lot of penalties being thrown. And I think we're going to eventually end up running the score up if that happens. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting take. I mean, I, I don't discount that that could happen, but I, I also see a team that shows up looking to avoid going six and six, looking to um, right the kind of wrongs at the end of their season, finish on a high note. Um, and I, I see a team that is capable uh, with plenty of playmakers of hurting you. So for Louisville in this game, really the big thing is going to be showing up and taking care of business, executing, running the football, doing what you do, and really kind of replicating Similar to what you did against Miami. I think they're going to make Louisville throw the football a lot this weekend. They're going to try to put a lot of pressure on Jack Plummer and they are going to, um, they are going to try to muck this up the best they can. And I think that Louisville 
will prevail. I think Louisville is the better team, as I mentioned, but I think it's going to have to come with some fairly efficient execution overall. So with all that saying, all that being said, Matt, let's talk about the stats this weekend real quickly. We're going to try to wrap up the show. Um, Let's, let's walk through what you see from Matt's stats. Drop what you're doing and listen up. It's Matt stats with Matt McGavick. We all know that like UK loves to run the ball with using primarily Ray J Ray Davis and their run grade of 93.2 is the third highest in all the FBS behind only LSU and Oregon. Ray Davis has been the primary factor in all that as his 91.9 run grade is the fourth highest among all FBS running backs, but he has kind of fallen off in terms of production as of late, partly because of efficiency, partly because of the uh, decrease and carries for some odd reason in his first seven games he had 112 attempts for 781 going for about 696.97 yards of carry and eight touchdowns his last four games though 61 attempts for only 209 yards and that comes out to only 3.43 yards of carry he's got four touchdowns about a touchdown a game but still and in fact when you just look at some of his individual game logs over half of his yards have come in three games He's got 520 of his 999 yards on the season have came against Ball State, Florida, and Missouri. Just three opponents. The rest of the time, he's pretty much a sink or swim type running back. And so it's going to be imperative that Louisville bottles him up early and force UK to kind of go away from that and try and try and win the game with Devin Leary like they've tried to do a lot recently. And speaking of Devin Leary, it's my next stat. It's going to be, I know it feels like I say this every week, but it's going to be imperative that they get after him because there is a very, very clear split in how how efficient he is uh, when he has a clean pocket and versus when he's got a hand in his face. So according to Pro Football Focus on his roughly 70% of his snaps where he's got a clean pocket to work with, He's got an 86.8 offensive grade, pretty good. And he's 60, uh, 64.5% uh, completion percentage for 1,857 yards, 16 touchdowns, and, and four interceptions. Not bad. Though when he's under pressure, which is roughly about 30% of his snaps, he's been flat out awful. Just a 38 offensive grade. And like I've said, pro football focus averages 60. He has been putrid in pressure in snaps where he's under pressure. He's 25 of 81 for 381 yards, four touchdowns and five picks. In fact, of the 140 FPS quarterbacks who have faced pressure on at least 50 dropbacks, that 38 offensive grade is 116. Matt, so, do you think that stems from him and his previous injuries at NC State and probably not being comfortable at running the football or at, you know, being comfortable behind an offensive line. I, I think part of it is absolutely his injury just because I talked to a UKB writer earlier today and it's clear to him that he's not the same thrower of the football because of that injury and kind of wrapping up my match stats going to go to the UK pass rush, kind of focus on a defensive stat because UK, UK's defense is pretty solid. But the one thing that they really struggle with is pass rush. And I, I say struggle sort of loosely it's not really like their forte their pass rush rush grade of 70.8 is 69th in all of the fps and 42nd in all of the power five of their eight players who have logged triple digit pass rush snaps only one of them Dion walker who has a grade above 66 and he's 
he's pretty good. He's got an 84 point 83.4 pass rush pass rush grade. He's three pretty good. And of those eight, three are below 60. So three are below three of their, you know, eight primary pass rushers are below average. Of the 17 players with double digit pass rush snaps, Walker's the only one at 70 or above, and there are six who are below 60. So if if Jack Plummer can find a way to get comfortable. I think that the offense can roll over that defense. Love it. Matt's stats are the most interesting part of my week. I learned something new every single week. We hope you do too. Uh, that's really insightful. And I think it really does tell the story of kind of what to expect this weekend, which for Louisville football will be run the football, continue to pound the ball with a healthy Jawar Jordan with uh, Isaac Gariendo, who is absolutely on fire right now. What's he have six touchdowns in three or four games, something like that. I mean, he continues to churn out at this point. I would almost, I'm not a betting expert, but I would tell you if you were doing your research and you were placing bets weekend and uh, weekend out for Louisville football that you might add a anytime Isaac Gariendo touchdown to your parlays because it, it's a lot of the time. <laughs> um, and that will continue this weekend uh, as the as Kentucky brings in a defense that's not horrible um, and, and not by any means have they been, you know, uh, unable to show in, in a, a lot of ways that they can be productive and can impact football games. They've just not done it for a full game at a time. They come in with guys who can uh, and are capable, but at the same time, Louisville has more weapons. Louisville now has unlocked those tight ends, which is going to allow for even more of the running game to get going for allowing guys like Kevin Coleman, who came on last game, Amari Huggins, Bruce, who was on for the Virginia game, more and more of these weapons to emerge. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I think this weekend we're going to see Jack have to throw the football a little bit more um, as they Kentucky will lean into the stopping Jawar Jordan in the run game. And I think that as long as Jack doesn't turn the football over, doesn't get phased too much that Louisville should be able to control this game because offensively Kentucky is just not that good. I mean, it just is what it is. They are capable, but they're, they have not shown it. Get after Devin Leary, force him to throw the football, stop Ray Davis. And this game is really going to lean Louisville's way. And that will take us into the final part of our show, the predictions this week uh, as Louisville football, again, looking to pick up an, another, you know, kind of um, check of the box in terms of one of the greatest seasons in recent memory, one of the greatest really in program history uh, as they play Kentucky with a, a big chance to get back into the rivalry game and, and control the narrative there. So let's do this. We'll do what we did last week. Neither one of us or none of us hit on our prediction of, uh, who would be the the first the first touchdown score? But we did all, in fact, guess the game correctly, I believe. Right? Did we all predict Louisville to win? Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. So we all continue on. Matt and Vince remain tied. Presley and I remain tied in second place. We're all still looking to try to get ahead here. So we will do score and first touchdown score again for this one. We'll continue this one until we until we get it. Uh, and I will I go say first. Jack Plummer. Does that count as a Jack Plummer pass? No, no. See, I, see, I the, thought that, that's no. the dumbest shit ever on DraftKings. Who actually season. reaches the end zone. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So Jack would have to run, which is not out of the nope. – uh, it's definitely not un- unlike uh, – it is unlikely, but it is not out of question. Let me, let me check our offensive tackles to see which one I think is going to get a thick six this week. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so I will go first in this one. I think uh, for Louisville, as I mentioned, I think this game is going to obviously be a big, big – Uh, kind of emphasis and focus for them on executing, being prepared, making sure that what happened last week doesn't happen and that they really control this game from start to finish and, and again, kind of shift the narrative and change the way that um, people talk about Louisville versus Kentucky over what's happened the last few years. 
I think this game is going to be close because it's a rivalry game, but I do think that Louisville is going to win, and I think they'll win by 10-plus. So I'm going to say Louisville 28, Kentucky 17. Yeah, and I'm going to say my first-time score is going to be mm, – and this is another tough one because they, they've they been throwing the ball lately, so I don't want to get too uh, predictable here, but I will go – I'll go with Jawar Jordan. I think this might be the week where he bounces back and we see Jawar Jordan kind of round into form. I'm going to go Louisville 35, Kentucky 21. Just kind of when I dug into the stats earlier and was seeing some of their defensive metrics are not as good as I thought they were going to be. Like they're, they struggle a lot on third down and in the red zone, which is like where Louisville has really excelled on both ends of the ball this, this season. And I mean, it's and it's not lost to me that they're going to be coming back home. There's a very good chance that this might break the attendance record that was already set earlier in the season, just because it's been so sold out. Um, and yeah, I, I know that they're gonna. It's going to be. It's a rivalry game. It's going to have high emotions. It's going to be emotionally charged. But based on what I saw at the end of that Miami game, I think Louisville has the ability to like keep their composure for the most part and just play football. And I think when it comes to just playing football, I mean, when you look at everything compared to each other with Kentucky, I mean, Louisville's just the better team. So I expect them to perform as the better team. I'm going to go with 24 to 10. I think it's going to be a little bit lower of a scoring, mainly because it's a rivalry game. Like we've been discussing, uh, man, it's going to feel nice to get back over the hump and, you know, have bragging rights over Kentucky. So I just can't wait until next week's. What's Tom Brady say? Can't, can't wait till the next one. Can't, can't wait till can't, can't wait till the next recording. So. Oh, and my uh, first touchdown scorer, I think I think it's going to be Isaac. Ooh, Isaac, that's a good one. I didn't get mine yet. All right. I'm going to go. Marcus Riley. You keep saying that, but Marcus Riley, the last time I checked, played for Florida AM or Bethune Cookman. Oh. Um, it was a part of like 2018 oh. class. I think are you are you talking Quincy about Riley. That's Sorry. Say. Yeah. yeah. Names think, always yeah. you think Quincy Riley is gonna be the first scorer on a pick, pick six? six. Yeah, pick I six. like that. You're going with the pick six. so here's Kevin Leary's we'll gonna throw a pick six. Here's I'm we'll sorry, do. Quincy and Quincy's mom, that I've gotten his name wrong so many times. Over. Yeah, I, 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 I want to apologize. I picked up that too. I, yeah, uh, sorry. I wasn't going to correct you in the Game moment. It's people, you know. Um, so yeah, very interesting. Lot lot on the line for Louisville this weekend. And I here's what I'll tell you to finish the show, guys. I have not been to a Louisville Kentucky football game um, since I was probably in high school, and the reason for that is this game brings out a different emotion within me. And that is an emotion in which I like to keep confined into my house uh, around people that are not Kentucky fans. It is a very aggressive energy. It is a very um, boisterous energy. And then it is very much, I don't want to hear anything from anyone if what I want to happen is not happening. So So you're not going to the game? I'm going to the game. I will be there. 100%, but I'm telling you that this is a game that I do not enjoy going to because I'm not a fighter by any means. Like, no, never. Fight or flight, I'm flight all day long. I'm getting out of there. (laughs) But this game brings out an angry Jacob, like a a very emotionally charged 
with a little bit more violent edge. And I'm not the one to ever get into a fight. Not going to happen. Not worth it. Football is just a game that I'm not even playing in. These people have no idea that I exist. But it is a rivalry game, and I hate Kentucky fans. Like, I love my friends who have that that unfortunate um, characteristic about them, but I hate Kentucky fans. Like, it's just call it. They're the worst, man. Dean yeah. Walker can kiss my uh, ass. We, we have a lot of payback coming coming their way because of how it was, how Presley and all of us were treated last year. That was pretty. That was pretty brutal. Yeah. As expected, it's a rivalry game. There's hatred. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we all hate each other. Hate, 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 and you know, go back to hating each other some more on Monday, just a little bit less. You know, yeah. but it's just I'm that ready to kick their ass. I just want to win. So yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Mm-hmm. This game mean it just like it mean like I I don't mean to be cliche, but it does mean a lot. And I hate when Kentucky fans get the edge on me. I don't like loved, it, man. I loved Jeff uh, you know, <laughs> basically saying the Trinity San X game is just as equal. Yeah, I I knew you'd be so proud of that. He mentioned that on like three different occasions. Like, well, you know, yeah. I, I heard, I heard Matt game, close. But... I heard Matt close his laptop there in the press conference of that period <laughs> and just walk out and say, "This is stupid." Oh my gosh! Yeah, man. Uh, was there any national? Was there national media that they ever come to the press conferences? Or is it just all local Some, guys? Sometimes I do, but more often than not, no. It's just local. And could you imagine if Kentucky would have had season like that they were thinking about having? We could we could potentially have game day this weekend, but we Kentucky could. just had to fumble the fuck. I mean, I mean, Kentucky thinks Kentucky fans think they're going to Atlanta every season until they get smacked in the fucking mouth by Georgia and Atlanta. Yeah, Alabama. That's my favorite thing. Georgia and Alabama. I'm sorry. We just got to beat Georgia. We just got to beat Georgia. That's all we got. <laughs> yeah, and then you get the video Georgia, and then proceed the, to lose to Missouri. The fans <laughs> in the bar chanting "We want Bama." Like Kentucky finds themselves chanting "We want Bama" every year, and this was like it is 100. No, barely want Bama in basketball. They get Bama all right. Yeah. <laughs> you barely want Bama in basketball at this point. Like, come on, guys. Hey, think, did Kentucky lose last night in basketball? Weren't they losing for a they while? Came, they they came close. They went to overtime with St. Joe's. Yeah. Well, hey, man. I, we can't say anything. We 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 are poverty program around here, basketball wise. But hey, that's why we got football, right? This yes, weekend, yes, Kentucky. Yes, time yes. to go out there. Time to do our part. Time to eat our fried bologna sandwiches. Time to get out there and tailgate. Time to wear our Mason Riger jerseys. Time hey. to get out there and into the stands for the first time since you were in high school. Whatever your story is, whatever it is that you do, do it all for the Ville this weekend because. Like Presley tweeted, like whether it's from your couch, whether it's from a seat in the stands, whether it's from the press box with just your body heat and your energy, because you can't cheer, but you can be very warm inside, which I'm sure Matt will be from the the hot cocoa and the cookies that he will consume this weekend. No, but anywhere, wherever, okay, whatever, wherever you are this weekend, Louisville needs it because this is a big one. You put like a dozen creamers and like 15 sugars in your coffee, don't you, Matt? It's still coffee, damn it. <laughs> hey, oh my god sorry that i want my coffee to taste good vince not taste like i'm drinking liquid dirt i want i want it to taste like my work ethic hard hard nose <laughs> gritty tough like yeah. a ford truck a little kick to it man <laughs> you want it to bite back is what you want immediately if it's not making him shit within the first five minutes of drinking it, it didn't do its job. Like one hundred percent. That's how Vince operates. You're such oh, no, a man. It, it does, that's that's how me. everyone operates with the coffee. Man. You're such it's a coffee. man, dude. You're just a dude's dude out here 
bra dog and coffee and eating fried bologna sandwiches. Let's go, man. <laughs> if we all had that work ethic of Vince LaCocca, we would be going places in life. That's what I'm telling people, man. That's my new mantra. Just eat fried bologna Definitely sandwiches and work harder. Toilet businesses. <laughs> 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 love to hear it. Actually, I don't love to hear that. But hey, from the Philippine Seeds <laughs> podcast, we can't thank you all enough. If you've made it this point, you are probably one of the few weekly listeners. So thank you all. We really do appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun this year celebrating a very, very successful football team and just playing a small part and trying to get fans excited about it. Uh, you can find us here each week. Subscribe anywhere you get your shows from, from the Pink Seats Podcast, presented by our friends at Frankfurt Avenue Liquor and Wine. Be sure to check them out. Again, tell them that we sent you over there. Check out the liquor store. Check out the full bar. Get yourself a draft beer. Um, and, and again, uh, they're great folks over there. I um, really want to support them as we head into the holiday season. Uh, and we hopefully, guys, we'll be back here celebrating a rivalry weekend heading into our first ever ACC championship preview show. Like, like what? What world are we living yeah. in, man? What a time to be alive, man. What a time to be alive. <laughs> Who would have thought? Not Who me. <laughs> That's right. Go Cards. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.